Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajlul hazna idha shi'da sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, hope you guys are doing okay. How many did we have in Chido? Did we have one before we got off? We got two. We've done two and then one in Canada, yeah? So this is lesson four. Yeah. Okay. So for, so three lessons, yeah? Where's, where's with that one? Is she late? Three lessons, yeah? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, ten, eleven, eleven and a half, three lessons. What's that? Four. Four. Four pages a lesson. She's right in it. Is that a good rate? All right. I thought I was a, I was a slow rate. I thought you'd get fined for slow over rates like that. Charity, all right then. So, um, you got it on the screen. Should I also read it out from the phone, chest? Yep. Right. So, today's text is what did we cover to yesterday? We covered a the last thing that we covered, okay, from the text is in the Arabic, in the conditions of the prayer, ishtinabu najasat, avoiding filth. وَمَنْ رَأَى عَلَيْهِ نَجَاسَةً بَعْدَ صَلَاتِهِ وَجَاهِلَ كَوْنَهَا فِيهَا لَمْ يُعِدْ وَإِنْ عَلِمَ أَنَّهَا كَانَتْ فِيهَا لَكِنْ نَسِيَهَا أَوْ جَهِلَهَا أَعَاد Lift it up, Shaz. That was last week's. That if one observes filth on himself after the prayer but was unaware before that it was there, the prayer is not repeated. However, if he knew it was there and then later forgot or didn't understand, and we explained last week, didn't understand means he doesn't know what the ruling is, doesn't know that it's najasa, doesn't know, you know, whatever, then the prayer must be repeated. Okay? But, of course, we said something very different. Who actually made sure that they did last week's lesson? Who, yeah, and who actually blagged it because there was nothing, any, no one forcing them to actually be here? Chatike, the smiles, and they say, oh, we won't do any more bestie. I don't roll like that. You watch it, yeah? Yeah, that's okay. That's exactly what we want. But there's about seven people in front of you who didn't watch squat. It's a good thing I don't do people's best day like that. Because I don't roll like that. Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. Maybe I do. In Abu Dhar. So, anyway, so um, so that was last week. Anyway, let's do uh, this week's uh, session. Uh, we covered, we went into a lot of detail last week. It was a good lesson last week. Lots of detail. Okay, so today, today, inshallah, what we're going to do is وَمَنْ جُبِرَ عَظْمُهُ بِنَجِسٍ لَمْ يَجِبْ قَلْعُهُ مَعَ الدَّرَرِ Statement 1 وَمَا سَقَطَ مِنْهُ مِنْ عُدْوٍ أَوْ سِنٍ فَطَاهِرِ Statement 2 And then we're going to make a start, inshallah, into this list وَلَا تَسُحَّ الصَّلَاةِ فِي مَقْبَرَةٍ وَحُشٍ وَحَمَّامٍ وَعَطَانِ إِبْلٍ وَمَغْصُوبٍ وَأَصْدِحَتِهَا وَتَسِحُوا إِلَيْهَا Okay. So, today we will cover if one fixes a broken bone or something filthy, it does not need to be removed if it will cause injury. If anything were to fall off from him, such as a limb or a tooth, know that it remains pure. The prayer is not valid in 
a graveyard, a toilet, a hammam, a camel pen or pasture, land which has been usurped, yani stolen, frauded, whatever, and the roofs of all of the above places. However, the prayer is valid if prayed towards all the above. Towards all the above. Okay? So we might get into like, you know, graveyard and maybe maybe the toilet. Maybe, maybe. Okay, so today's lesson is all about focusing upon the physical najasa presence inside the body. So that sounds weird, right? So, Sheikh Uthameen on page 234. Hold on, we said you want to do some uh, questions. Were there any questions that you guys had that were not dealt with? We dealt with it, so. Yeah. yeah. And anyone who's. Uh, by the way, people ask about the questions on, on the portal. Uh, you know, I actually, I noticed Zafar and certainly myself, we've gone back and answered all of them. So. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys uh, uh, put a question in, they are being answered, you know, uh, retrospectively, if I don't answer them in the lesson itself. So do you want to create a system where at the beginning of every lesson we go back and just review any leftover questions? I, yeah, I don't mind doing it at all. At the beginning of the lesson, going back and reviewing the questions. And I also said, is it the beginning of the lesson we said that can be open because for other questions? There's a comment there that said basically some of the students, they can't attend live. Yeah. So they ask their questions during the week. Yeah. Oh yeah, now we've seen that, and we've been answering them. And if we miss them, then um, either I'll answer them live at the beginning, or 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 I will write them. Myself and Zafar went back. I went back a couple of days later to the portal. What was the other uh, uh, stuff? What did we say? Did we say that we would answer questions on other subjects at the beginning or the end of the lesson? Which, Outside of the lesson. Which other subject? Outside of the subject of the thingy. Oh. Oh, shut up, man. Unbelievable. What a hater. Just because Abu Dhar didn't like your food, Yanni, you're going to have to hate on everyone else. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Six hours. Six hours he cooked. Six hours he cooked. It's not about what you say. It's all... It's, the language of love is in the face. If you... you No, no, no. You see? No. You can't fool it. I always told you that the heart, the heart is a very, very strong... It's a very strong what? I'll never get an invite again. What's the heart? It's a very strong it beams. And the mood or fakeness can't hide it. You get what I'm trying to say? No? Let me start again. If someone is loving or hating or whatever, it doesn't matter what you put on the face, it will come through. Because the heart is a very strong it supersedes physical emotion. Or physical expressions. The heart screams. The heart sings. So, if someone cooks for six... Uh, it's not fake news. It's so not fake news. Do I look like Donald Trump to you? Oh my God. Does it look like I'm, I'm, I'm Donald Trump to you? Can I just say that... Can, can, I, just, can I just say... Just with your small hands. Can I just say... <laughs> can I just say this is uh, small hands Osman small hands can I, can, can, can I just say that I'm very happy to be here with you and this is Mike Pence the, the vice president and he's very happy to be here with you and he, he sends you know as you can see he's very concerned and Cameron now looks at Melania Trump his wife and he's standing right next to him here and he goes 
As for Melania, I'm sorry that she couldn't be here, but she sends her condolences. Melania custom, the camera then pans to her, you know, close up on her face, and she's going. That's fake news, bro. When you're trying to fake your wife standing next to you, when she's right next to you, bro. Okay. Anyway, Shazad Salim cooked for Abu Dhar for six hours. Lot of effort, lot of love, and a lot of cost. Do not. Negate the cost factor because you know, Shazad Salim doesn't buy the meat that we buy, you know what I'm saying? Shazad Salim does not buy the butter that we buy, Shazad Salim buys organic. Organic, yeah. There's this new concept out there, by the way, called grass fed butter. Someone said to me, I'm, I'm on a grass fed butter diet. I said, Where else is any where else is butter come from other than grass fed cows? What am I missing here? What does that mean, anyway? Shazad's materials and you know, it's Michelin star grade materials when he cooks. Is very serious, and he cooked for Abu Dhar. Abu Dhar put like shikayat in a couple of weeks ago, saying that he doesn't look after me. I've never tasted his food. He doesn't make me steak. Blah 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 blah. So that Salim took that to heart. You know, he's an emotional bandai. He's soft hide. So he said, okay. Spent the whole week on preparing food for the guy. Abu Dhar just obviously he tasted it, didn't like it. Yeah. And so and so what happened? The look on his face. Just one look. Doesn't have to say anything else. Yeah, well, one line. Sank. The heart, it was floating, sank. Just sank. First reaction. First, it made, it's always the first reaction. You just see in the eyes. Even sometimes, yeah, when you've got nose like a that, the, the nostrils flare a little bit. They, they flare a tiny bit to show whether the person's speaking the truth or not. <laughs> Uh, Osman Bay, what's happening, Yara? Honestly, man, you guys, I'm telling you, if I'm honest truth, I'm in zero mood to teach the class because I'm just so happy to be back. I'm just looking forward to the chicken afterwards, to be honest. I was in Canada. It was very good. Windsor's very good. You know, with Dad's hometown, it's a very nice place. It has the world's greatest airport. I promised that I was going to punish her because she insulted her airport. But then I got, I got revenge on her mother instead. Can you believe that? I'm teaching a class where I'm praising the airport of the city that... Can I just say something? This is important. You have to listen. Respect and, and respect and thanks. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that whoever does not thank the people does not thank Allah. Windsor Airport is the greatest airport I have ever seen in my entire life. I recognized that three trips ago and two trips ago. And this time, when I went to Canada, Americans got involved, as you can imagine. They tried to, you know, hijack the situation. And they yeah, and it gave me a, a hard time. It took me 40 hours to get to where I got to. My bag always got lost along the way. My bag's gone, actually. Because my bag, mashallah, is yeah, good for immigration. Obviously, I'm not. So bag got cleared all the way to Windsor. And there's me, yeah, and it's 25 hours behind it. Anyway, I'm telling you now, you know when a bag gets lost. By the way, my bag got lost on the way back as well. Just want you to know. Okay? And it's in Frankfurt somewhere. I've got messages in Frankfurt. Just want you to know that. But there you go, you get a message on your phone, it's in Frankfurt, we think. And when I went to the baggage claim in Manchester Airport, and I filled in the form, and a guy put it into the system, tracking number using the baggage tag, can't find it. Not on the system. Do you want some receipts? Huh? No, don't want some receipts. <laughs> what a pack, what a pack. That's an Osman line, do you want some receipts? You see, that went over your head, you see, but packs, we, you know what I mean, we know. When it comes to claiming, yeah, and blagging receipts, you see that guy he went straight in. Anyway, so they said we don't know where, but now that bag got all my thobes in it, top thobes. It's got all my notes in it. So where you in that one? Huh? Yeah, 
I have to downgrade today, Yara. So, in this in this bag are all my notes because I've been recording all weeks. So I took all my notes with me, so I don't care about the rest of the stuff. It's got his tripod. I definitely don't care about that. Yeah, it's got some perfume, and I care about that. But the books, the notes. Anyway, I just the point is, is that the the message comes back and it says we don't know where it is. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Anyway, I've since received a message that they found it. Allah alam if it gets to me or not. I'm saying 25 hours. I'm behind this bag. And it's gone to Windsor Airport. And he has all of my clothes for the entire week. What am I going to wear, Yara? Okay? I've got nothing else. My only bag. I arrive at Windsor Airport 25 hours after the time that I should be there. And I, as soon as I arrive, I walk out and I go to a woman on the check-in counter. I said, hi. I said, uh, I've uh, lost my bag, but I think it's come to... What's your name, honey? I said, Na'atullah. They said, I've seen that bag. <laughs> Wallah, she said, I've seen that bag. She goes, come with me, love. She about to take my hand, about to give it to her. I said, okay, just, you know, let's keep this, <laughs> let's keep this perfect. I was going to say, Wallah, I was going to give, Wallah, I was going to give my hand. She was like an auntie, old woman. I said, what's the, what's the ruling here? But I said, let's keep it professional. Yeah. So I followed her very quickly. She was walking very, very quickly. I followed her took me through, went through security, which was like, there's nothing there, no one. Went through the hall, which is about the size of this Yani Masjid, okay? And she takes me to the cellar. Down the stairs, Yani, and it opens the door. We walk in. There's about 15, 20 bags. There's my bag right there. She goes, is this one here, isn't it? I said, yeah. She goes, yeah, I saw it come yesterday. And I said, I'll look after that. Oh, well, oh. What people here? Canadians. Windsorites. Bandatihia. And I was, you know what, that service, that's an airport. That airport, when I fly from that airport, you know what time I arrived before my flight? 20 minutes before my flight. That's when I checked my baggage in. Long story short, it's an amazing airport. And because people, yeah, they, they lose their minds a bit, i.e. with that, she started attacking that airport. It's the worst airport in the world. It's the dinkiest airport in the world. It's a horrible airport in the world. It's rubbish. It's that. that made me very upset. So then when I was teaching, I found out, someone told me, a little... Bird told me, this is with dad's mum in the class. I said, right, so I took revenge. We did some recording, called her out, blah, blah, blah. What are we talking about this for? I don't want to teach the class. I had a horrible time that the Annie getting there, but then Windsor made me feel better. And then I did some shopping, that made me feel better. I ate lots of food, that made me feel better. And that's it, I'm back here with you lot. And it's raining and it's dark and it's cold. Oh, sugar. What a shot. Samid. The guy, Samid, the Don. You guys, you guys know who Samid is, right? Samid is our, our most famous Swiss student. Switzerland mother. Who is like Yani World's Yani. He's basically, he's our version of Abdul Qadir Khan. Is that the guy who made Pakistan nuclear bomb? Oh, is that not? That not sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Let me not say that. Let's, let's rewind that one. Okay. He's our version of, he's a CERN, C-E-R-N. I know that all you're thinking are S-I-R-N, but C-E-R-N. He is a proper nuclear physicist, you know, bashing atoms and, and, and stuff, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, he has brought and sent us some proper Swiss chocolate, bro. 
class today. And I said, he's in Canada, bro. You saw him, yeah? I, I, I spoke to him. Ah. I didn't have time, time to meet him. Yeah. And, and this is the pro- this is why you should be always, you know, everyone online, this is why you should be. Look, because this is Swiss chocolate. And not just Swiss chocolate. But no, no, Allah wasn't reading the ingredients. You know me, bro. Once, I, once I've got the gift, I'm, bis- I'm eating first, bismillah, then checking ingredients afterwards. <laughs> yeah? No, no, I was, I was really trying to work out in Swiss what the heck the difference is between them. You know me, I've got to get the best one. No, no, I've got to make sure that I get the right one. But I, for the love of God, I can't work out. There's four or five different colors, and I can't work out. I just, I just got to make sure I don't get the dark chocolate because I always end up with the dark flipping chocolate. Actually, there's a simple solution to this. Just take one of each. All right, that's my hakka halal. Sorry. There we go. Okay. There we go. There we go. There we go. There's Fazona, and there's our guest there, and that's that's our other guest, and that's Jiva. And I'll go at this because I know that you lot are very greedy. That's Shazad, that's Zafar, that's Hamza, that's Isa, and that's the rest of yours. Okay, there's enough there for everybody. Okay, right? Yeah, I like this idea of doing this stuff before we do the class. Yeah, 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 I like that. Any football on? I like it's good to be back home. Not gonna lie. What well, line nice to be back? Blue one is nice, yeah? Yeah? Okay. Alright, anyone have any questions? Put on the portal. Huh? What's the difference? I didn't work it out, bro. Surprisingly, I know I'm a man of mega skills, yeah, but yeah, and Swiss is not one of them. Swiss is not one of them. Bro, the green one is sick. Bro, the green one is sick. Oh. Hmm? All the same. All oh, right. <laughs> Apparently, they're all the same, boys. Hey, these are expensive chocolates, right? Leftovers are coming back to me. Do you understand? Am I happy halal? Obviously, in your case, I'm not. You know what I mean? Edmund's like, are you going to laugh? No. <laughs> I tell you, Ajman, we'll swap them for some chicken that we've been promised for the last three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you give some to Ijaz? I guess Miskin come from London. Yeah. Ijaz, boy, we bought you some chocolate, yara. Oh, come on, bro. What's all that prayer we have, yara? <laughs> all right, stop messing about with some time. Put the bottle on, man. Come on, you guys all eating chocolate and wasting time gossiping. We have got a lesson to talk about, right? All right. Yeah. Say that again. Well, I, I'm not even joking. Do not say things like that. You know that my heart, my heart is weak. My heart is weak. When, you, when people say things like that, let's, let's cancel the lesson and go for chicken. I will do that kind of thing. Do not, do not push me. Do not push me. I know he's going to say, oh, when we get there, oh, it's closed. Oh, my brother's shop. Oh, I was lying all along. It wasn't me. I had a share on it, 10%. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Man claims he's got a chicken shop and yes, I'm. Ga- I'm not gonna lie. All the masakin are watching this online. You're just literally sitting there doing nothing, watching us eat chocolate. <laughs> That's exactly what you're doing right now, and that is how we roll. Come on, Islam. That's nice chocolate, Yara. What are you hating for? No, you don't like it? Lovely, yeah. That's what you want, my right? oh, It's lovely, right? Anyway, okay. Let's talk about. Uh-huh. 
Oh, subhanallah. So the majority of cows are fed grain as opposed to grass, uh, grass-fed. Is that true? Huh? How do you stop a, grass eating, uh, a cow eating grass? For the whole life, they're going to eat grains and not grass. Yeah. If you look for grass-fed butter, Meaning that that cow has not been fed, fed a grain. And a grass, grass-fed butter means that the cow was only fed grass. So grain is cheaper than grass. Cows are grazed fresh grass in season and pure hay. Like, don't pretend like you don't know. It's only one that you have, bro. Be yourself, man. Have you guys hooked up my boy Ajaz or not? Wallah? No, no, yara. We look after Ajaz, bro. There you go. Look at two for like, guests from London, yara. How are you doing, Ajaz? You okay? Right. Where's the Sheikh Zakhafar? Uh, what happened? Hmm. Okay. Let's do some uh, lesson. What do you think? Right. So. Uh, Sheikh says on page 234, he said that, so for example, a person breaks his bone, he's outside, he's in the rough, in the wild or something, and he breaks his bone and he needs to make a splint or, I don't know, some kind of Rambo behavior basically, yeah, and he's made himself a splint or a, um, uh, uh, is a technical term a splint? If you get, if you were to get a bone and graft it, yeah, splint, so... So the, the, the idea is that is that your bone has like imagine you fell and you cracked your thingy yeah. completely in half, yeah. and you've basically you you either find yeah you just find a dog bone, okay, and then you graft it effectively, you tie it together to hold your arm in place. Let's like go yeah, yeah okay, so you you've put it there. And then you tie a rope around it. Okay, that's the, that's the issue basically. Uh, but that's not even April. All right. Yeah, and I couldn't care less. Right. And so he he takes so he uses a, a dog bone for example, and he fixes uh, the human bone. So now what's happened is that we have now introduced a filthy nejus bone to the body. And it's now very tightly connected to the body as well now, okay? And as Sheikh's going to explain, that could be actually inside or outside. And so, um, now it's time for Salah. And we know that it's not possible for him to pray in this state because he's carrying Najasa. That's what we've been covering for the last few weeks. The concept of carrying Najasa, whether that's Najasa on the clothes or on the body or whatever. Is that clear, everybody? Yeah. So here, he's actually got it as a splint. So he has to remove it. That is the obligation. He has to remove it because removing Najasa is an obligation. End of story. Mm-hmm. However, uh-huh. is it due to because of the animal? Animals won't. It, no, it's, due to, it, it's due to the fact that it is impure. A dog's bone. Like we said, yeah, like we said, there's other animals which are pure. So a cow bone or something like that. We said last week that any animal that is halal to eat in its normative state, its yani bone and so on is pure as well. So this is a dog bone, a pig bone or something like that. So now you've got to remove it for salah. Okay. Now, what if someone says to him, um, if you remove it, then 
um, you're going to cause an injury or harm that's going to create lots of pain and also ruin the chance of it actually getting better, the original one. Maybe let's say it started to heal or something as well. That's the issue that's been put in front of us. So he's now got the najasa set in and he can remove it, but it's going to cause harm. So what do you do? Do you take, the, you take one for the whatever, okay, and you, you harm yourself and you remove it? Or what? So the Sheikh says, we say, لا يجب إذن. And we, we say, then it is not obligatory to remove it. Meaning, it is permissible. Okay? But it is not obligatory to remove this najis, yani implant in your body. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed a person to not make wudu if there is a fear of some kind of harm. Alright? So we know that that is a ruling. That if there is some kind of, you know, uh, water is very cold and you're outside not as close very cold or you've got huge kind of dermatitis inflammation or whatever or or wound etc so we know that it's permissible to leave wudu if you have some fear of harm and as we covered and explained last week that to leave something which is obligated as we say to leave something which is obligated is a very serious matter and it's not as serious as not doing a prohibition and so if you are allowed to leave something which is obligated, then what we say, then of course you are allowed to do something which is prohibited. Does that make sense? If a scenario, I repeat, and this is, from the, this is, the, the, this is the conclusion from last week, and Sheikh Uthameen explained this in detail. So if you don't understand what I'm saying, go back and review last week's lesson. That if the, uh, 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 if, you are allowed to leave out an obligation in an extreme scenario then to leave out n- not doing the prohibition is something which is less than that therefore he says if wudu can be uh, put aside then we can also leave the najasa in okay because of the because of the harm now the question should be asked so what happens now then it's inside okay or let's say that it's uh, the wound is open and we can't make wudu on it because it's, you know, it's hurt, you know, it's open and whatever. What do you do? Do you make tiyamum for it? You remember in the chapter of tiyamum that the whole section is about discussing um, tiyamum is itself is a replacement for wudu. Okay? But if you have one arm which is, you know, burnt or something like that, then we have different rulings. If it was covered and you can't take the cover off, then you wipe over it. And that's in the section of wiping. And we covered over many weeks the concept, that concept, as well as if you can't wipe over it, then it's permissible for you to make the yamum for a limb to cover that and make wudu for the rest of it. And there's a discussion of the scholars over that. So what about this najas limb now that is now got a dirty, filthy bone in, uh, that's connected to your, to your actual bone? Uh, the sheikh says that as-sahih la yajibu at-tayammum. That the correct position is that it is not obligatory to perform tayammum. Okay? And in fact, he goes, actually, it's not even legislated. Um, uh, it's not even, tayammum is not even legislated in the case of impurities. It is not legislated in the case of impurities. That's the position, Sheikh Uthameen. The Hanbali school, they say something slightly different. They said that if the wound has healed. And so now the filthy bone is inside and it's part of the, you know, it's like you've got a pig bone or you've got a dog's bone inside now and it's starting to cover up 
or is hidden. So in this case, uh, there is no ruling. You don't need to worry about it. Okay, there is the the uh, uh, yani is 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 inside is to be ignored. But if the wound was open, and you can see the dog bone, and it's healed, meaning that the 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 bone is now uh, fused, and you cannot remove it, but the the wound is open, then the Hanbali school says in this case you make tayammum for the 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 limb, you make tayammum for the limb itself. Okay. So for them, the issue was whether the, the, the najis bone is showing or not. Sheikh Uthameen, he says, um, but the correct position is no doubt that um, najasat, you don't make tayammum for that. That when it comes to being, having filth on it, you either get rid of the filth or you can't get rid of the filth. Tayammum itself has no play in this. This is not an issue about making, not making wudu. And this is a very accurate point. And it's a difficult point if you do not get the, the issue that, that wudu and tayammum is not about cleaning yourself yani, per se. It's a ritual act that you're doing because of some necessity. Think about it and think about it rationally. Hitting the floor once and a floor that doesn't have to be muddy, but something that's got very little dust like concrete or plaster. Not plaster, but also dust. Concrete, which is tiny dust, like hardly anything. And just striking it once, not even rubbing your hands on it. Yeah? So just striking it once. And not having to go full, but you know, like you know, your full flat palms, but just striking it like that, and then wiping your hand off in the narration of Bukhari, dust it off, and then the turn. You're not cleaning anything with that. There's nothing on your hands you're cleaning. So people need to understand that that concept, cleanliness and purification are two separate yani concepts. Um, and so he says, وَأَنَّ مَنْ كَانَ عَلَى بَدْنِهِ نَجَاسَ وَتَعَذَّرَ عَلَى غَسْلِهَا so if there is a person that has some kind, and this is an important rule, make sure you write it down and make sure you remember it, that if there's a person who has najasa upon his or her body and they cannot wash it off for some kind of reason, impossible or too painful or too wounded or whatever, it is not, they, they pray without tayammum. Tayammum is doing nothing here. Tayammum is not actually yani, legislated at all. Okay? And, and that's because... And this statement is gold. That tayammum has only been sent down and it has been revealed to us and it is to be used for us in spiritual purification, not in physical purification. Okay? As I said, this is an ablutionary act, an act which is ritualistic. It's for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's ma'nawi. It is... It is... It is... Um, Symbolic, Ahsan, that's the exact word I was looking for. It's symbolic. You don't clean anything with it. Okay? Yes? In this scenario of wiping yani, uh, on it, I think the idea is is that you can't touch it. Yani the, 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 the idea here is that there's some kind of problem, so much harm that you can't even physically touch it. Okay? And then the Sheikh then says, وَمَا سَقَطَ So you're talking about grafting or splinting here? Both. That's why I was, I was telling you, I was just... Uh, 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 grafting is a procedure I mean the, the, the understanding here is that this is happening like all of a sudden you're thrown into a situation yeah which is why we use the word split so grafting as I said is a more procedural kind of thing yeah? someone else is involved and, uh, and uh, you know doing that yeah I mean c- correct correct 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. A splint is understood to be just, you know, something tied to it, which you get rid of. But uh, we're talking about now something that's been used in emergency to splint and then it grafts. It fuses. Grafts, meaning it fuses. It becomes like a pseudo graft. Really <laughs> I mean, bro, the situation is pretty rough, Yanni. You know what I mean? People are reading that and thinking, who goes and fixes their broken anything with a dog bone? I mean, it's obviously it's a madness from the beginning. So, you know, the next one's a madness as well. And actually, Sheikh Uthameen actually says, I know you're all thinking it's a madness, and this is the reason why we're talking about this. So, uh, you will get to it. Where's the translation, just for a second? Then he says, um, and if anything were to fall off from him, such as a limb or a tooth, know that it remains pure. What do you think the reasoning for that is? What, why is there even that sentence? No, I think that he becomes impure because of the regular. Because it would make our job a lot more difficult to be a tooth once his hip falls. Are you being serious or are you just messing about? I'm serious. I mean, pure. What's the serious answer? Stop playing around, man. We've wasted enough time as it is. <laughs> Come on, what's your answer? Shaz fell for the oldest trick in the book. The oldest trick in the book. A little bit of pressure and he collapsed. It's exactly that. It, it's exactly what he said first time around, but just put a bit of zor upon him and he just... Yeah, and he, uh, so for a dentist, if the tooth falls out, the ruling here is about putting it back. It's not about what happens afterwards. Who cares whether it's dirty or not dirty afterwards? The point is, is that if your tooth falls out and you need to re-implant it, it's pure. It remained pure when it came off and it's pure when it back in again. And the scenario, they said a limb. I can't think of a limb being taken off. Maybe the hand. Maybe, for example, you had an accident and the hand got chopped off, finger got chopped off, and you're reattaching it, tip of an ear. You went a couple of rounds with Tyson, you know, you got to be carried away. And did his behavior. No, this is not the same guy. This is not the same guy. Uh, Ragabag, uh, doggy bone guy. This is some. This is someone else. So that's that's what this part is. This is this is what this part is for. What's the basis for that, folks? Okay. So the reason for that um, is because the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, that the, the believer does not become filthy. The believer does not become filthy. Okay, or he's not filthy. Both of these meanings are acceptable. Yani he is never impure. The believer is never impure, or the believer does not become impure, or the believer is not. And what we're talking about is physical, okay? What we're talking about is physical, all right? Um, and the Prophet and uh, Sheikh Uthameen, he said, and that's regardless whether the person's alive or dead. It doesn't matter. The believer stays remains like that. And that's why, if you remember, when we spoke about um, the issue of uh, uh, doing ghusl for the dead one, okay, the one who's passed. We also said that this person, this is not Yani. Because you know some scholars said that it's obligatory to make a ghusl after you've washed the mayyit, after you've washed the, the deceased. And that's not the case. Uh, also we have the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that um, uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that whatever has been cut off from an animal whilst it was alive then it is carrion. Okay? And uh, what is what does that basically mean? It means that the uh, the the 
the actual thing itself it becomes yani, impure. It takes the, the ruling of impurity. We said carrion itself is something that shouldn't be touched, especially not ingested and so on. We want to mention a few things about this hadith, by the way, because it's an interesting... We haven't done a hadith study for a while. If you look, uh, this is at the bottom of page 235. The reference is mentioned as number three. And have a look at this. It's narrated by Imam Ahmed and by Imam Abu Dawood in the book of hunting. Okay? Um, and in the book of uh, foods on the authority of Zayd ibn Aslam and Ata' ibn Yasar and Abi Waqid and Abi Waqid al-Laythi bihi marfu'an Ata' ibn Yasar of course and uh, Abi Waqid these are companions and Zayd ibn Aslam is a tabi'i and he's a major tabi'i in fact he's imam of tabi'in uh, uh, his uh, father Zayd ibn Aslam his father Aslam he used to if you, got, if you remember he was the mawla of Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab mawla meaning the freed slave okay and he became a scholar. And Zayd ibn Aslam, one of the major imams, he narrated from Abdullah ibn Umar, from Jabir ibn Abdullah, from Anas, yani from the younger companions. He was yani, he was like, uh, he was one of the younger tabi'een. He's not one of the original tabi'een that, you know, that we say tabi'een are in three generations. Okay? You have imam, you can still be an imam of the tabi'een generation, but depending upon the sahaba that you meet, there's a difference between those who met Abu Bakr and those who met the original, yani, older companions, and then those that are mostly hanging around with Abdullah ibn Umar and Abdullah ibn Abbas, who are the very much younger ones. Okay, Zayd ibn Aslam, one of the, the one of the imams of Medina, and he is therefore also one of the teachers of Imam Malik. Imam Malik, yani, narrates from Zayd ibn Aslam huge amount of times. Okay, he's one of the narrators of Bukhari. We're talking Imam Hujja Thiqah, and he's the, he's the king of Hadith. Anyway, so. Uh, look at some of the opinions on this. Bukhari said that this hadith has been preserved, meaning it is a correct hadith. And Imam Tirmidhi, he said that this hadith is, is good, but it comes yani, in a solitary way. Yani, it is gharib, meaning that it has come in a, a solitary way, meaning that there are not many chains. He, and, he, and he specifies that. He says that we do not actually know it. We do, we do not know of this hadith to have been narrated except through Zayd ibn Aslam. So Zayd ibn Aslam is the focus yani, of this statement. Only through Zayd ibn Aslam. And then there are other... And then, and then uh, Abu Zur'a al-Razi, one of the muhaddithin, one of the hardcore nuqad, we say, yani naqid, meaning he's one of... As we, we, we described before, obviously new students will not know that phrase. Muhaddith is an expert of classifying hadith, whereas a naqid is a specialist in hadith and, did, and, and being able to tell immediately whether hadith is authentic or not. They know yani, the style of hadith, they know the people, they know their knowledge. Yani, it's the very highest level possible. When you reach naqid, you become yani, the greatest of the great. Okay? And we have not many nuqad in history. Imam al-Bukhari was naqid, for example. Imam al qutni was naqid. Okay? So Abu Zur'a al-Razi, okay? he is one of the major muhaddithin. He said that this Yani argument that the hadith is mawsul, meaning that the hadith is connected all the way back to the Prophet as a prophetic statement, he goes, this is a bit of a dodgy statement. Yani, yani waham means that this is unlikely. Okay, there's problems in this argument. And so then there carries on a big discussion um, and some criticisms of some of the narrators. And if we turn over, then this is what's interesting. At the back, at the end, we have Hisham ibn Sa'ad who Ibn Hajar said that he was truthful, he has mistakes, which is relevant as well in Hadith sciences, that he was considered, and tashayyur, I want you to understand, tashayyur, technically, 
technical, well, linguistically means that he was Shia, or he was kind of like Shia uh, pro, pro Shia. But that is not what it means. That is not what it means, and that's a problem, of course, because you know, especially in later times, that's a major problem. But in earlier times, it wasn't such a, a massive problem when it comes to the concept of hadith, because it wasn't so that they became the Shia of what you know today. It basically, when you have, when you say that someone has the Shia, it meant that at that time of the early kind of Muslims, the early kind of sciences, he was favoring Sayyidina Ali more than than a, a person should. He was favoring Ali in a legal form, in a political form, in a military form. He was part, you know, supporting them against the, Ani, the others, uh, whether they were, whether it was Hassan Hussein involved in something. Basically, yani, it is not of the level of kufr and shirk that we talk about today. However, of course, for the Hadith scholars, when they are making a biography about a person, they're getting every single tiny piece of information down to help make a judgment call. Are we going to say this person is yani, a solid narrator, everything, or are we not? So you can see that Ibn Hajar is yani, using this to build an argument. He, he said he has awham, and he is also accused of having a little bit of yani, partisanship towards Ali. He has his mistakes and that. So we're bringing his quality down. And then the final statement, وَرَجَّحَ أَبُوْ زَرْعَةَ الْرَازِ وَالْدَارُقُتْنِي And that's very important, Imam Darukutni and uh, Abu Zur'a. They said that after all of this study, in our opinion, this hadith is mursal. This hadith is mursal. What's hadith mursal? Remind me. No companion. No, no, no companion. Okay, the companion's name has been left out, and the tabi'i is quoting the Prophet ﷺ directly. He might insert the name of a companion. He might, yani, because that's what he thought, or maybe he made a mistake, or even sometimes in a really disastrous case, he says it intentionally. But this hadith mursal is a category of hadith where even a major imam, he quotes the Prophet ﷺ directly. Usually because he has heard the hadith somewhere else, but cannot remember who told him. Usually, yani, because he believes the hadith to be authentic, that's what they would normally do. Mursal hadith, are they authentic or weak? They are weak. Okay, they are weak hadith because there is a person missing in the chain, and not only a person but the most important person. Yeah, well, not actually, that's not correct. Not the most important person because a companion between, yeah, yani, if you have hadith and you have in qita'a a break, and when you study hadith, you've got breaks, okay, in the chain, and the qata or in qita'a in a chain of people can be at the later end after 200 years or after 100 years. Or at the top. But the difference is, is that at each generation, the people quality is different as well. So for example, if there is someone, diff- if there's someone missing, like let's say Imam Bukhari narrates from so-and-so, who narrates from so-and-so, who narrates from so-and-so, who narrates from a tabi'i, who narrates from a companion, then the second or third person that Bukhari took it from, this person is actually really important. And when you really get down to the issue, this person is really important because this person has the potential of messing everything up. Okay? Um, and we don't have much confidence in this generation because we're quite far away now from the blessed Diani three generations. Whereas if the companion is missing, then it's only the tabi'i that's going to have most likely missed him. And we have some major imams of tabi'in that were so prominent in the narrating of hadith that... And that's why, for example, the position of Imam Shafi'i is that Sa'id ibn Musayyib, who is Imam of Tabi'in, his mirasil, his mursal narrations, 
are not even considered to be weak, according to some scholars, Shafi'i hadith scholars, because he's so spot on and so studying with the companions that his statement is like, even if he doesn't mention a companion, it's like impossible for us to think that he didn't yani, take this statement from a companion. So actually the companion missing is not as deadly and not as damaging to a hadith authenticity as it would be where there is a break somewhere else. Just keep that in mind. Anyway, it seems therefore this hadith is weak, okay? Because the majority of Mursal hadith are all weak. Only that of Hassan al-Basri sometimes, or Sa'id al-Musayyib, for example, they said that they are okay. Anyway, I just wanted to do... Huh? Sorry? No, a, 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 a hadith can be shahed either in its chain or in its meaning. So it needs to be proven to be shahed. Uh, odd. Okay, so based upon that then, so this is something which is interesting. Sheikh Uthameen then says on page 236, he goes, therefore the scholars, they took a maxim, a qa'idah. They, 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 they established a principle that, that, that whatever is cut off from something living, then it is like when it is dead. Whether that's with respect to its permissibility or its impermissibility, its purity or impurity. I repeat that again. Whatever is cut off or removed, yani carved off, cut off, whatever the word is, okay, from a living, from the, from the living, from a living person, okay, then it is the same in, it is, it is, it is given the same ruling whilst it is dead or whilst he is dead yani it, 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 the thing itself is the same okay both in its sanctity uh, in terms of halal and haram both in terms of its purity and najasa it's the same okay and the 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 dead human dead flesh human dead body is pure human dead body is pure the previous rule applies to everything okay the previous rule applies to everything. So a cow is an animal which is halal to eat. So if you were to, for example, mutilate a cow whilst it's alive, then it, it's, uh, first of all, it's you know, something which is a haram. And we've said that in the previous uh, 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 hadith, that it is haram and it becomes najis because of the action itself. It's just like, I know this is a bit complicated, so bear with me. You know that a cow is a halal pure animal, yes? If you sacrifice it, slaughter it, sorry, it becomes halal to eat, yes? If it was shot dead, is it halal to eat? No. If you found it in the field, a stone had fallen on it, a boulder from the hill, it had been crushed, is it halal to eat? No. Even if you get to it and you cut it, halal to eat? No, it's called carrion. It's dead meat. It's meter. Okay? Quran very clear about that. Hadith very clear about that. Well, if you get to it, it's still breathing, and then you cut it. You, you slaughter it. Then it's halal. Okay? That's the principle of hunting. That's why we send things out to hunt. It gives it a, a, a near-death blow, or the concept of stunning. You get to it quickly enough, you slaughter it, then the animal becomes halal. Alright? So, uh, a cow, if you were to mutilate it whilst it was alive, you've done a haram action, and the thing that come off it is najis. That's what we have uh, established. As for the rule that we've established, that whatever is taken uh, from a living animal, okay, from an animal, 
its ruling remains the same whether it is alive or whether it is dead it becomes najas if it was najas so if a dog yani is najas then it is najas afterwards its sanctity is the same in terms of purity or non-purity it remains whether the, the piece is attached to a living animal or it's separate in terms of death as for the human being it's the same human being is pure all the time okay pure, pure all the time why is this important because we're going to i don't think today but we're going to come to talk about yani being in the grave uh, in the in the graveyard sorry and when you're praying in the graveyard, you will see that the ruling... Are we going to get to it? Actually, we are going to get to it. Okay, we'll, we'll carry on. We'll carry on. So, then, therefore, the, the limb itself is pure. So if someone's hand gets chopped off, you pick it up, you protect it, it's pure. It is clean, and we want to make sure that we get that yani to, you know, on ice to the surgeon who's going to put it back. Same with the finger, same with the ear, same with anything that falls off in an accident. You want to protect it because we want to put it back and it is pure to handle as well. Also, not only is this important, a reminder that everything is to be treated with respect as well. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, yani made that very, very clear with respect to bones, okay, and the dead body. That's why the dead body is washed very carefully. That's why it is lowered into the grave very, very carefully as well. That's why the Sheikh said sanctity, the same, uh, the sanctity of the human or the, or the, or the, or the, or the, the human is the same in life and death, okay? You don't break the bones whilst he's alive. You don't break the bones whilst he's dead. Okay, that's why. Remember, when you make ghusl of the mayyit, you are not trying to. You're, you're not only washing the entire body, but the orifices, of course, they need to be cleaned, and the intestine will have the remains of, uh, you know, food and so on, and feces, whatever. And you're not. It's not possible to empty out the whole thingy. That's not the intention. You can't. You're not there to empty out the whole thingy, right? The whole intestine and the stomach and the bladder. Okay. But the, whatever is in the lower aspect, near the anus and so on, that needs to be cleared out because that will leak. Okay? And so you will then gently, you will manipulate the body gently to ensure whatever is at the closest end of the orifice, it comes out. And that happens in the process. You see people get carried away. You see literally them massaging the stomach. Yeah, I need to try and push everything down. So you might need to do that to help it. Because peristalsis and all the rest of it, you know, all that process is now gone. But um, I don't know, Yanni, what kind of level, what is the nature of a dead body in terms of peristalsis, in terms of actual pressing upon physiologically? How long does it take muscle to die off completely? I'm sure it dies off immediately. I mean, you know, you'd expect that muscle to die immediately. Yeah. yeah. So anyway... Uh, uh, so you've got to be very careful with the body when you're thinking. And this is, of course, what I'm talking about is the basis for why autopsies are impermissible. Only if absolutely necessary in a criminal case. Now uh, you get the option of CT scans and you have to take that option of CT scans. You need to request it. You can't just automatically be lazy about the issue. MRI. Uh, MRI scan or CT MRI. scan? MRI. Sorry, MRI. MRI. Uh, scan if there is a suspicious kind of thingy they give you the option but you can't just say yeah yeah sure go ahead you're not being polite whatever oh yeah absolutely I mean I mean I'm not saying that they're like our butchers yeah they do you know they are professional but once you start getting in that game yeah in autopsy they need to do lots of different things it's not like a little cut it's like the full aliens behavior bro No need. Put aliens in my mind. What's that? 
it's, if you can afford it, obviously, and it's quite expensive. I think some councils don't uh, charge for that. Really? If it, in, no, no, but not obligatory. A few hundred pounds, not a few thousand pounds. And by the way, it's five hundred pounds for a living. But no, there's another point there as well. Um, in in cases of criminal uh, thingy. Why is the cost upon you? Ah, right, right. Yeah, good. Yeah, okay. So in a criminal investigation, they want to do criminal, they want to open it up, and they make you... I don't think... Huh? I think in a criminal, you won't get away with an MRI. This is basically death caused because of... Yeah, that also makes sense. In a criminal investigation, I don't think you can black getting away with the... Yeah. This is basically death of a healthy person that suddenly died. Yeah. Without a reason. Yeah. They want to know why he died or her, she died, and so they'll insist on an autopsy. But uh, also the, Jew- the Jewish community also very insistent on MRIs rather than autopsies as well. Yeah. Hmm? Jews, yeah? When the cause of death is not clear. Yeah. When the cause of death is not clear. Yeah. Yeah. So, one thousand pounds is the cost for to to avoid doing an autopsy. UK one thousand pounds. All councils, national cost, or is that council by council? Right, thousand pounds. I don't know. All right, okay. Um, Sheikh then said something interesting. He said that. We've said that the limb itself is pure if it falls off, which is fine. He goes, but some of the scholars said something very strange. Actually, to be honest, I think it's the majority. He goes, they said that there is an exception to this this rule of what comes off from a human being is pure, and that is blood. They said blood is najis. You've probably heard that before. There's a concept generally amongst Pax and whatever, most people, that blood is najis. As soon as it comes out, it is... It is breaks your wardrobe. Soon as it's on your clothes, you've got to wash it, etc., etc. And we spoke about that in length. But listen to what Sheikh Uthaymin says. He says that, um, so he says that what these scholars say is that anything that comes off a human being, it is pure, except uh, blood. Listen very carefully to this. This is very accurate. This is very important. Except blood, which comes out, which is najis, although a small, insignificant amount of it is pardoned. So he's saying that it is najis, but he's adding a caveat, which all the scholars did, by the way, that small amounts of blood that are on the body or on the clothes, they are pardoned. So they're not going the full hog and saying it is complete najis, najis. And here's the reason why. And the reason that a little bit is allowed, that we pardon it, is because blood is neither feces or urine. It doesn't take the same ruling as that. Okay? Um... The when you look at when you look at blood when you look at urine and uh, uh, feces they are the waste material from food the extra leftover yeah any waste material from food and drink which has no benefit for the body which is why it is being excreted you can't take anything else out of feces and whatever for the body it is which is why it is being discreted 
And so these scholars, that these scholars continued. They said in the in the dama, but blood is neither a waste product. That they said. Uh, so listen to this carefully. They said blood is neither a waste product which has no benefit for the body, and neither uh, and neither is it from the body itself intrinsically that is fed by blood. And if blood, of course, goes round and it maintains the organs, right? Blood's job is to carry around oxygen and nutrients to feed organs. So what they said is that blood itself is a category in between two categories. It's neither a waste product, which is excreted from the body, and it's neither part of the body, so that it's serviced by blood. Okay? This is what they said. Okay? And that's why they gave it a ruling in between the two. So they said, فَقُلْنَا لَيْسَ كَالْعَدْوَ الَّذِي يَنْفَصِلُ وَلَيْسَ كَالْبَوْلُ وَلَغَائِدُ فَهُوَ النَّجَزْ يُعْفَ عَنْ so therefore we gave it a ruling in between two rulings. It's not like urine and, and, and feces so that we say that it's completely nejus and it's, it's his waste product. And it's not like a, a limb which is cut off because it's not a limb and therefore we're not going to say it's pure. That's their argument. Now before Sheikh Uthameen says uh, what he says, I just want to challenge that. Is that correct? <laughs> Yeah. So they are clearly saying dumb is haram. Yeah, haram. Haram. Yeah, haram. Not yani nejis. But how long do we debate and discuss that for? We're not going to do that again now, are we? Yeah, yeah. Now I mean the najasa of blood back in year three or year two. Find it and go back to it. Which year is it? Year two. Go, go, go back. Go, go back and find it. Yeah. Correct. Not everything which is haram is najis. But we don't want to go into the argument. Like I said, anyone who wants to revise, that's what the notes are there for. Logical progression in it. Yeah? So, 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 tell me, is that correct what I just said? Oh, sorry, what I just quoted? That blood, because they call blood an organ, don't they? Isn't blood called an organ? Don't doctors call blood an organ? What is the actual classification of blood? Yani, can we say that it's... It, I'm just saying, can we challenge that statement that was made? That blood is not a, a, a waste product, and blood is neither part of the body, that in that it is serviced by blood. Blood carries waste products. Okay. Nutrients and oxygen. Yep. It carries everything, but it's not a waste product. It's not, it's not a waste product. It has waste. Yep. Waste Likewise... It's not a nutrient or great, but it carries great stuff. Yeah. Can we say that it is part of flesh or it is organ or it is part of an organ? If, if medically we can say that with confidence, then it would become pure anyway because we've said anything that comes off a human body, whether internally or externally, then it is pure. It's not part of the organ, but... What's the largest organ in the body? Skin. Because uh, that's one of those trivia questions. Blood supplies the nutrients to the organ to remain alive. Yep. So without blood, the organ will die. But it cannot be classed ever as an organ, yeah? No. Blood itself. No. Okay. 
That's why then Sheikh Uthameen says, وَلَكِنْ ذَهَبَ كَثِيرٌ مِنْ أَهْلَ الْعِلْمِ Many, many scholars, and there's not many, and this is important for those who are reading Arabic and those who are studying yani, from the text as well, that when you see uh, the, the, the statements that are mentioned by scholars, they're very accurate. وَلَكِنْ ذَهَبَ كَثِيرٌ مِنْ أَهْلَ الْعِلْمِ This means that many of the scholars, not the majority, many of the people of knowledge, they said no blood is pure. Human blood is pure. Okay, um, they said, إذا كان العدو لا ينجس بالبينونة فالدمو من باب أولى. They said that if a limb itself, a limb or flesh that is cut off from a human body does not become impure when it is cut off, then how on earth can blood become impure? How on earth can blood become uh, impure? Yani, Um, there, 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 there are, but those narrations are, they're not all weak. Are they saying that it's, isn't there argument that it's impure in, in the original state, not where it's cut off? No, they can't say that, because as Sheikh Uthameen then says in his next statement, وَلَيْسَ هُنَاكَ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى نَجَاسَةِ دَمِ الْآدَمِ And there is not a evidence clear that makes human blood impure. That makes human blood impure. Except for what? Except for what? Nice trivia question. Come on, man. Easy. Human blood is pure. Except for menstrual blood. Menstrual blood. Or? No. Or what? Cupping, did you say? Postnatal. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, that's menstrual blood. Or? This is important. Think about it, Yanni, logically. What do you reckon? What, rectal bleeding? Yeah. Blood which comes out of any of the two orifices. Now, you've got to be careful here. Okay? Let's look at this carefully. There's a difference between blood from the two orifices and blood from an orifice. So, for example, if someone has external hemorrhoids okay maybe not external hemorrhoids does that work external hemorrhoids yeah. yeah I'm talking fresh venous bleeding in the case of a cut I mean in men not so but in women you'd get that fresh venous bleeding that's not actually coming from the urethra, the urethra itself but from another area in the vagina for some reason or from a male or female from the anus because there's a cut it's not actually coming from the sabilane, the orifice inside, but at the edge. So I want you to differentiate between these two. You'd see that difference in the blood anyway. Any blood which is coming from inside is hardly ever going to be fresh red. Low enough. If it's low enough. But there's a, that's the point. It's different yani, with that which is yani, mixed into your feces or whatever, yani, which is coming from internally, which is showing something. That's nejus, okay, from as opposed to at the two orifices, uh, uh, back and front, if it's cut. Anyway, basic principle, human blood is pure, and uh, unless it's menstrual or comes from the orifices. And again, as the Sheikh said, the reason that uh, we are talking about this chapter in this kind of detail is because of what happens when you put it back. Okay? When you put it back or you find it. In blood, I think it's obviously, but we're not focusing on blood. But transfusion is the same thing, isn't it? Go on. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, good. Yeah. Subhanallah. Good point. Yeah. Blood it does become uh, irrelevant in transfusion. Unless it does, did you say? Uh, what's that? What's that? A dialysis. Dialysis. Yeah, but remember, we're not talking physical purity. Yeah, we're not talking physical purity in terms of dialysis or whatever to clean the blood. We're talking about a a hukam upon it, a a a ritual ruling upon it. So to support the Sheikh's argument, can we use a hadith when, like, you know, many many companions like Omar bin himself, when, like, you know, the arrow. So many, so many hadith. This, as I said, as the, the discussion, the discussion concerning, uh, uh, the discussion concerning the, the 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 purity of blood is a is a very well known one, classical differences of opinion, and it's in detail. That's why we covered it. I think over two lessons, as opposed to even one. Okay. So here we cannot establish that how, how can it be impure? No, we're, we're we're establishing that it is absolutely pure. There's no reason to say it's pure, and that was the sheikh's position from before as well. Okay, um, so yeah. Now I'm just thinking. Let's just answer some questions. So, so, so question is: So, can small portions of menstrual blood be pardoned? Answer is no. Menstrual blood is najis, utterly and completely, and small amounts cannot be pardoned. <laughs> their classification of blood is from their aql. To make something najis, there needs to be evidence. No, correct. That's absolutely right. You just can't you only say something is najis unless there is an absolute evidence. Uh, how would you quantify small amounts of blood? Small amounts of blood is what's understood by the norm, not a surgeon and not someone who is uh, squeamish. Okay? Yani a normal person looks at blood and says a small amount of blood, a little patch, little dribble, whatever. Someone who's squeamish, they can't even see one side of blood, they, they lose it. And someone who's a surgeon, the guy's head's chopped off and he says, yeah, it's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can get through this, boys. Okay, if you just hold it here and then we'll stitch up this side, you know what I'm saying? So, we don't really care what you guys think. Yeah, so, um, the believer does not become filthy. Does this hadith extend to those who are not Muslims? So, for example, using a corneal graft from a deceased non believer's body for the sake of restoration of sight in a patient who happens to be Muslim, or is this hadith encompassing of mankind irrespective of faith? That's a really good question. This hadith is not encompassing of mankind irrespective of faith. However, we know that the human body itself, okay, because this hadith is specific. This hadith is specifically about the mu'min, okay. But we know that the human body itself, the human body is pure, and so and when it comes to the ruling of transplantation or organ donation or more importantly blood transfusion, in your case corneal graft. This is permissible. These are pure. These are pure. A corneal graft or another kind of form. The discussions concerning organ donation and all the difficulties around that are hardly ever related to the purity of the organ. It's all about the uh, benefit and harm caused by the donation to the person and the one that it was coming from. Not, you know, the, the scholars uh, very quickly get over the purity issue. Because as I said, the majority of scholars, uh, not the majority, but yani, the contemporary scholars certainly consider blood and these things to be pure. So another question is, um, are animals the same in purity and sanctity, whether it was alive or dead? So if you slaughter a cow, it is still pure. And if it dies naturally or it is attacked and becomes carrion, it is still pure? No, it's not pure. Once it becomes carrion, it is not pure. Okay? 
Um, in the case of a person who has broken his wudu, then surely he has to perform a complete wudu. If the person hasn't washed his arm due to the najasa being visible or not, then are we saying he doesn't do tiyamum or even wash that limb? No. If we're saying that a person, you know, uh, najasa is visible or not visible, the idea. Let me let me just make this clear. If you've got najasa inside your body that you cannot remove, you carry on as normal. Because removing it is going to cause a harm, unless it's not going to cause a harm. It's a small little thing, operation, and you pull it out, and then that's it. Like, you know, they do this all the time, don't they? These uh, removal of screws, and removal of X, removal of Y. So if things need to be removed, it gets removed. Okay? But if there's a harm that's going to affect the actual growth and, you know, fixing, then you do not then remove it. Wudu carries on regardless. The issue concerning wudu and tayammum only comes into play if there's a threat that you, or if there's a fear that you can't touch the actual area. So if you touch the area, then it's going to cause a problem. Yeah, and it's sensitive or something. Yeah, for this one, uh, I mean, the, the, uh, yeah, go on. Would that take the same ruling, like for example, a human being has feces inside him? So that's najasa, and that goes inside. No. That, the, the, the ruling of najasa being inside a person's stomach, like we mentioned two weeks ago, is not the same as this because you introduced that on purpose yourself. It has to be removed. Okay? But the only time that we don't remove it is if it's going to cause greater harm. It's not going to fix it. And does Ibn Uthaymin literally mean that you find the dog alive and break its bone? He's asking that, okay, uh, because he's reading the Arabic. And actually, that is exactly uh, uh, what it says here. <laughs> you've got to love, you've got to love Muslims and their attitude to dogs, man. You know, old school Muslims, especially in Arab countries. He actually says, so they looked around and they <laughs> grabbed a dog and broke its bones to use. Sick. Next level, bro. Um, and uh, I'm being advised to make sure that I eat in Manchester before I teach this weekend in Sheffield. I'm teaching Protect This House uh, because there's nothing to eat there. So there you go. That's good. It'll be a great weekend. Right. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's an important point because Protect This House is not taught anywhere. Okay, It's been taught in every city and it's not coming back anytime soon. Um, so if you want to uh, study uh, that, obviously parenting and all the issues... Uh, link to that protect this house from Al Maghrib is this weekend in Sheffield almaghrib.org slash Sheffield okay so that's this weekend any questions here Sheikh with regards to the information about the believer's body is never religious yeah uh, based on that what answer do we get the hadith doesn't say that not the, the believer but it says the believer does not become impure yeah, the believer is fine. not impure or become impure both of them are implied <coughs> So what do you say to the people like, you know, who say that because of this, you can touch the Qur'an without wudu? Yeah, it is, it is, it is an argument, yeah. But this, not, this is not one of the primary arguments, but it is an argument, yeah. Is that a jamur? Is that like... No. No. It's a very... It's a, it's a, it's a weak istidlal. So it's weak because the pure... pure the, the, um, you won't find any kind of scholar using this. You won't find a top scholar using this argument because no one said that the issue is about physical impurity mm. the touching of the Quran is a ritual issue a person can have the cleanest hand in the world but if he's in a state of sexual impurity mm. then you're disrespecting the Quran because of the state you are in not because of how clean your hand is so with this here there is another ayah yep correct they combine these two correct. to use this argument correct. correct so how do we <laughs> because that's spiritual that's physical you're stopping me eating my chocolate here, man. 
Honestly, I don't know what's going on here. Back and forth, back and forth. What happened, man? Go, go, go to year two, Yara, and you will absolutely knock yourself out on the jazz issues, man. We've got so much in the jazz issues. Where am I eating in Sheffield? That's all I care about right now. <laughs> Where? Who? Amigos. What is that? What kind of food? Amigos. On London Road. Don't say loads of nice places because you know that I'll go to nice places and they'll be rubbish and I'll come for you next week. Mexican? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's what you said, amigos. Baji knows, yeah. Baji knows everything, yeah. The wicker. The who? The wicker. The wicker. Yeah. Any further questions? Mexican. Yeah. Palmyra. It depends upon the animal. Ivory only comes from an elephant? What's, 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 what's the rhino classified as? Keratin, yeah. <laughs> That's my guy, you know, elephant, elephant. I'm telling you, what today's written off. Today's written off. Yeah, we. Sometimes you got to write some lessons off. Come on, man. Get some. Come on, man. I'm telling you, man. You see, people are just using me as, a, as an excuse. When people themselves don't want to be here, they want, they're hungry and this, that. And I get blamed for it. You know me? I say, no problem. I'll take one for the team. These are my boys. I'm, I'll front up public. I'll make everyone think it's all me that's lazy and not doing lesson. Actually, those guys behind the scenes, they're not interested. One little bit. One little bit. Look at what's at the end. What's he, what's he done? Uh... Nails and hair are not under the category of body. Remember we said that. Fur, fur, hide, and so on and so forth. It does not come under the, the concept of, it doesn't follow the ruling of a limb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even Okay, yeah. That's what? Yeah, no, not LP. LP. Who did LP? We could have LP anyway. Yeah. From? Who? Oh yeah, yeah, car leasing, yeah. In my opinion, <coughs> car leasing is only permissible, in my opinion, fully permissible, I mean, where there's no one that's going to then disagree with them, if you can negotiate with them that they do not charge you a penalty for late payment. If you can't negotiate that and, you, and you, you negotiate it by giving two or three payments in advance, saying to them that if there's a default, then you can pay, you can take that from that. And then, you know, if I, if I don't default, then you, um, you just give it back to me. If you can't negotiate that, I think that we have a major problem. There are some scholars that said the penalty fee is not interest fee, but that's very weak. A penalty fee is... If it is something which is uh, literally the cost of a letter and a, a secretary's hour, yeah, so like twenty pounds of administration that you get charged because a person's had to write a letter, then it is. But I don't know of any penalty fee at the moment. It's at twenty quid. 
50 quid is not a penalty fee. Shazad, yani, I'm telling you now, he charges £250 to write that. <laughs> oh my days. 200 Huh? Penalty fee. Oh. You're cheap, Yara. You're so cheap. Um, so, uh, there are some scholars that said, and as Usman said, it does go into a subjective area. What is £50 and whatever? Usman, yani, he is. Usman is yani, speaking from one area. Young lad, new to the game. Whereas an old dog like me knows yani, 50 quid. Those guys are having a laugh. They're paying that girl seven quid. That letter costs absolute squat. And it's just an excuse for them to make money. When you've been involved in the banking system yani, and the financial industry, yeah, I just want to tell him, yeah, 50 quid. Are you kidding me, bro? Is that penalty fee reflective of the charge? Or are they yani, saying eyes light up? And saying, bam, we're in it. <coughs> no, no, on a serious note, Ajmal, Ajmal has had experience, he's in when that game. No, no, that's fine. We're not talking about that. Okay. We're not talking about people charging whatever they want for a letter. I'm saying that in a normal finance agreement, okay, from any agreements that you've seen, finance agreement for any kind of payment plan. For example, car leasing plan, which is interest-free over four years or whatever, okay? The fee that they charge for a late payment, they justify themselves, maybe in terms and conditions, as costs of the letter to warn you. I'm putting to you that what you've seen, does it genuinely represent the cost or is it an opportunity to charge and and basically it's just another charge on top of the loan? Yeah. Yeah. And 50 quid is not representative of a charge. This is my opinion. And I am, I am a cynic and whatever. I will say, though, I will, I will say, though, that, um, that, that it, is, it, it, it is subjective. I just find it, I find it just a weak argument. You can't, you, this is not something you can say is absolutely agreed upon, completely haram. There will be people that will say, well, hold on, um, They'll use one emotional argument and one technical argument. The technical argument will be that, no, uh, we do pay our secretaries £20 an hour and it's not one hour, but it's postage and two hours of work and it's 50. But I don't even think that even the, 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 the leasing company itself would even claim that. I don't even think that they would even try to justify it. Now, I'll tell you, the only people that ever used to justify this kind of thing were the Islamic purchase plan uh, people. So, for example, if there was a Islamic financial institution that had loaned some money or loaned a or were owed money in instalment plans, they are the ones who are forced to try and justify because the scholars who are certifying the product will not allow, will not give it a Sharia compliant standard unless they do not charge any money, or they can justify to the penny exactly the charge or the cost to send the letter, or as a worst case scenario, which is number three. And the justification for this was because if you don't have a penalty charge, then people become lazy. So they allowed them, as Mufti Taqi did, not re- as reluctantly, £50 or £100, but it has to go to a charity. And not only does it have to go to a charity, so then what they did is they started making their own charities. Okay? And obviously a Muslim organization has lots of charities to give to or create, you know, foundation, this foundation, that, you know. You know, she's had this foundation, Yeah. <coughs> You don't have a foundation? 
No. You don't have a Shazad foundation? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's the it's the AE fund. That's very different, brother. Like, can we just make that very clear? It's a a, a very very respectable charity, full of integrity and great reward. Anyway, keeping me happy. Wallahi, is so much reward in that. Buying buy me anything makes me happy. Look at this. All this teaching, that's that for free. Run on chocolate. But that's running out soon, by the way, because Banda is only getting fit now. That's it. I can't be Yani eating chocolates anymore. Now it's got to move into you know proper stuff. Yeah, like I said, it's just an argument. It's just it's 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 just just something for them to say. What what is the reasoning behind you saying that if they don't allow the penalty charge, then it's then it's permissible to have on the basis of what? Because they're taking the milk or they're taking advantage of someone. It's, it's riba, it's riba, it's riba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, why is a penalty charge haram? Because they uh, they have loaned you money or a value, okay? So, for example, they've said to you that you're gonna pay us. Uh, they say um, that you the the, the 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 cost for leasing this car is ten thousand pounds, and you can pay it over three years. So you owe us £10,000 over three years, which equates to £300 a month? Yeah, £300 a month. And that's our installment plan. So now you owe the leasing company £300 a month. Because that was set from the beginning, agreed upon, this is a permissible loan. Because it's not a loan, it's against a... It's a lease, it's a hire. It's a service charge. <coughs> When does it become a problem? Because you are own, uh, 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 owing this to them, any increase or variable, yeah, or variation in this, then is seen as interest because it's a benefit on a loan. You understand? Um, if it was rent for six months and you signed an agreement that every six months we would review the market, and that's not how cars work. You don't see penalty charge in housing things do you okay so if it was six months and then we review the cost then review the cost it'd be something else but because it's money that you owe for a three period of time every penalty charge is a increase upon what you agreed upon which is therefore riba which is therefore haram so so it's haram even the charges should not be added that should be calculated beforehand do you get what i'm saying people yani who want to charge 300 pounds a month at the beginning if they are thinking that there's going to be some more admin costs, unexpected costs, then you make it £310 a month and you agree that at the beginning, and that's completely permissible. So that's why it's actually even from the beginning to put the charge in is not right. The other scholars, they argued back and they said, well, hold on, if we do, if we allow this to slide, then people are going to become lazy, especially PACs, and they're going to just start taking liberties and start frauding. So I actually, I personally agree with that. Yeah, Any person living in the real world knows that you know, people do not pay. People are leveraging themselves all the time. If they can get away with the payment, they'll get away with it. Yeah. So to hold them accountable, the scholars allowed them to pay a to, to pay a penalty charge, as long as that money then goes completely to char- charity and to not thinking. But only if you, only only in extreme circumstances, because actually any charge you're opening a door of, of, of real problems. We've got to try and avoid that. As I said. This is something quite difficult to fix when you're in the middle of a contract. I think when you're in the middle of a contract, you can continue. But if people want to take a lease car out and, uh, and start one, 
<coughs> I think you should be strict on it, and I think that you should use it as a negotiating tool. I, I, you know, we've seen people who are, you know, these people who definitely want to give cars out. You become strict and you say, I'm not going to take it unless you actually, yeah, any, uh, t- uh, I, I'm not doing you out of pocket. I'm doing you actually mega in favor. I'm giving you one extra installment or two extra installments to keep on record, to take from, etc., etc. And if not, then you give it back. I don't, I don't pay you for the last two months of the. Do you know any companies? Shazad Salim? That's code for Bentley and Porsche. <laughs> That's basically he doesn't want to you know he doesn't want to betray the kind of loan deals he's looking into. What's my way? I know you are because you're just a black. Who is offering? Who's desperate to get rid of the these cars and will accept will accept the condition? Yeah. Interest free is not the problem here. <coughs> the issue, the issue is, who is willing to negotiate? Audi, maybe. Man, these people they cuss, man. I remember the shot that if you did well, if you look like cuss, <laughs> man. There's a crazy comment on thingy. I'm not even going to read it out. My best, my best to be done. All right, guys, I've, I've kept you long enough. Zakumullah khair, subhanakallah. Ah, Elmfest.com. Buy tickets. Selling out soon. Elmfest, Manchester, selling out soon. Thingy, uh, also Blessed Voyage, December 25th, 21st. Uh, Blessed Voyage. That's going to be Umrah. I'm going to enjoy that Umrah. I'll tell you that much. Protect this house this weekend. Not being taught anywhere else, so remember that. Next weekend, nothing. The weekend after Fitna in Birmingham. As if there wasn't enough Fitna in Birmingham anyway. <laughs> but just I add my own little bit of Fitna to the existing Fitna. And then Bristol the weekend after. Zakmullah Subhanakallah wa bihamdika shad wa la ilaha illa anta astaghfirullah wa Everybody that's here needs to see some tickets, please. Oh, that's Yanni. Now part of that. That's now. Thank you very much.